I did. There he is. Hey, we're on live. Hey, Peter, we're live. Just joining us as we're talking about. Hey, guys. You can tell he's not in Vancouver anymore. Yes. started. Got the hat back on, back to Winnipeg. I like it. Now, that's a, uh, that's in, in <laughs> Canada, that's what, a toque? Is that right? Am a right? toque. That's, right. that's actually what it is everywhere else in the world. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, yeah, but okay, we'll take it for you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not down here. It's not a toque. If you ask somebody for what a toque is down here, they will not have any idea what you're talking about. I know. We love it. Not even slightly. All right, so I'm exhausted, but I got to throw out my. So I want to talk about the Super Bowl for a second because um, obviously that's dominating the world around here right now. And um, now, and I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a casual football fan. You know, um, obviously got into this. I want the Eagles to win because this whole city seems to seems to go up or down based on it. And and you know, and I'm happy for a lot. I have so many friends who are huge Eagle fans, like living and dying. Oh, me too. I know a lot of people. Yeah, right. Like living and dying by this game. Um, and I thought it was a great game. And I mean, is it just me or was this like one of the best Super Bowls? No, I mean, no, it was one of the best. It was a great game to watch because I've watched, you know, many of them that, you know, I didn't have a rooting interest in and I thought they were, no, I would say top five. It, it, I, I'd go top 10. I mean, there wasn't a lot of defense. No, but, you know, I don't, you know, that's the thing, you know, here's, here's the funny thing, Peter. I don't think there's been a lot of defense for a long time in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> yeah. Or the defense has been very one-sided. Right. right, but it has been. I mean, so this is my, my little secret about me is I was a quarterback for a very long time, and I played that position. I was, you know, right up into high school freshman, and, uh, and then I quit. But I was, so I know football inside out. I know I know the sport inside out. But as far as um, and 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 plays and everything like that, I was getting so. There were a couple moments that were just absolutely infuriating to me during this game last night. Um, the one was the the winning touchdown the Eagles got, and why this was at all reviewed. It, it goes back to the whole season act. Like there's this new. Because that's what I said to my wife. I'm like, there must have been some other time. Yeah, there's a new catch rule, and nobody seems to know. But but I, I really thought I really thought because I think we talked on one of the pre-shows, Russ, when that uh, that Steelers Patriots game happened, yeah. and they called that uh, tight end. I think it was Jesse Jesse James. I think his name was. Uh, they called that a non-touchdown, and I looked at that replay, and based on what had happened in the Steelers game and that, I thought that was going to be an incomplete. It would have been a complete injustice, but if there if there's any consistency in the NFL, that one probably should have been incomplete too, and it wasn't. It would have been such an embarrassment, don't you think? I mean, right. yeah, I mean, oh no, it would have been. I, it's I one think, thing to have that happen in Pittsburgh, New England regular season game or whatever, but it's another thing to have it happen now. Imagine what Philadelphia would look like had that not been a touchdown. There would have been riots in the streets. I mean, it would have been insane. Yeah, oh, yeah there would have been there would have been fires burning. Oh, wait a second, sorry. Yeah. But here's the thing: I I looked at that, and and today I wrote an article, and of course, Patriots fans got on me. Uh, one of them found a grammatical error in my article. Thank you for finding that. I found it too. But I had a, I had a migraine when I wrote it. So. so nice of them. Yes. But but here's the thing. I thought Chris Collinsworth ruined that broadcast. Oh, can I tell you? I, I mean, and like I say, I'm not a huge Eagles fan. I wanted to win. But the, 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 the you know, we know, we know Brady's going to come back and win this game thing was just so, like, literally, he's still saying it when there's like, 25 seconds left. It and got to the point of absurdity, and that's what I wrote about, yes. Yeah, no, it's really good. I mean, and that play there, too, both – I thought the first touchdown reviewed I could actually see is possibly being right iffy. The second one, you know, like I said, at least when I played football, that's a touchdown. There's no two ways about it. Now, obviously, there's this new rule that started 
spread. So I was losing my mind. And then I lost my mind when the Eagles threw the ball right before that touchdown, they threw the ball on the one play because they could have very easily run the clock down a lot more than they did. And I was yeah. really, I was really worried that they were going to give, um, Give, give. I, I was surprised that I agree with that. I was sitting yeah. in, in Vancouver airport and I was sort of leaving the, the restaurant I was at to go board my flight. And I had, had then had it on my phone and I'm watching this. I'm like, that's a lot of time guys. And they yeah. still had the Patriots still had a timeout. I believe at that point as well. And the yeah. two, they, they, so, they, they, they blew it by like, by not delaying a little bit, like two more seconds before they, for the two minute warning, which they could have easily caused. And then they also blew it by throwing the ball on, I think it was second down that because they had, they all they had to do was maybe they were afraid of their field goal kicker. I don't know. Maybe they were afraid. Well, of I think after he missed the kick, I think Belichick didn't want to go to him if he didn't have to. I think that was a thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, it, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think it was the kicker or us. I think it was the, it was the freaking holder. The well, holder is the I one see, who screwed them. Saying. No, but I'm talking about the Eagles here. I'm talking about maybe the Eagles were afraid of because. The Eagles, all the Eagles had to do the ball. All the Eagles had to do was run the ball three oh, the Eagles times. Was talking about. I'm yeah, sorry. The Eagles with like a two minutes left. Oh, they, they were in well. In no, the but ball. here's the thing. All right, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. It's like pre. It's like in basketball with the constant fouling. All teams do this, no matter what. They will not risk a high risk play to get that first down. They would rather let the other team get the ball back with very little time and chant it against their defense. This is something now that's accepted right, throughout the NFL, even though you only need a first down, but yeah. you're risking an interception or pick six, something that could turn the tide, and they don't want to go against that. And also remember, too, each team has their stats on where they score from yeah, in that red right. zone, too. As you get in, they know, like, we're better. Our plays work better. We have a higher yeah. success ratio if the ball's on the 18 than it is on the 8. Right. Like they knew all these nuances about what, what plays work and everything. And I think that's something, you know, we have to remember too. Football, yeah. like I have a son who is mad about it. He played it. I don't get the nuances of football. I don't, I don't jive in the same detail of it that I do with other things. Yeah. But people who do, it's a very, very complex. Oh chess yeah. No, there's it is. No, I think it's really easy to forget that. Yeah, it's I'm not really even that technical with it. Like, I have a good feeling for it. I've watched it my whole life. I don't get every substitution. I don't get every – but here's a couple things that I did pick up from this broadcast. With 20 seconds to go and her husband's season on the line, it seemed like Giselle had, like, dry skin on her hands. And that seemed <laughs> to be more of an issue than the actual game. Did anybody else notice that? Oh, yeah, Jesus. That. Who, gi who gives a crap? My yeah. God. You know, really, really, it's like you know, I, I have, I have friends, I have friends who are who send me messages. Look at that horse face up in the press box, and I'm like, this is a supermodel who's making twenty million dollars a year, and you're calling her a horse face? Really? Well, I mean, I mean, I didn't know Elway well was at the game. There were, I mean, there were some. Inc I mean, the other thing that I think that was just unbelievable to me was 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 the you know the fourth and goal play that the Eagles pulled off at the end of the first. Yeah, and he'd been doing that all year, so I wasn't shocked. Yeah, everybody, yeah, that's, and that's true. And Because that was the other thing. Collinsworth, the way they were reacting to that thing, like, this is unbelievable. I know, he's been doing it all year. We were screaming at the party. There was no question that he was going it. And there was no question that they were going to go for it again on fourth down if they right. needed to win the last drive. So they're right. making all these great third downs, which is true, but they, they were they were going to go for it on every fourth down. They, they, they actually, they actually, 
Russ, they actually, in a way, the, the the Eagles used a little bit of the Chip Kelly offense in that game. They used a lot, a lot of, a lot of movement and a lot of, yeah, and that, that threw that threw the page. Speak to you a little bit. They've been doing that yeah. since Nick Foles came back in. I mean, they 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 because slowly. they wanted Nick, Nick Foles to be comfortable. Slowly, they hadn't worked it all back in yet. Yeah, they they that whole deciding whether or not to hand off play. You know what they do. Yeah. Is right a, is Chip Kelly's play, you know, so it's right there, and and they use that a lot because Foles likes that play and he's comfortable. I, with it. I will tell you that I did call the fumble, and my wife is a witness. Really? Because well, I've witnessed Tom Brady fumbling before, and he's holding a cast. And I said, hey, this doesn't look good. I said, but Brady could fumble, and he literally fumbled on the next play. Great, that was a. I mean, for all the no defense in that game, one right? Of the, that was the one time the defense made one of the best defensive plays in Super Bowl history. I mean, it's yeah, like, it's a great play. The timing of that play was insane. I mean, honestly, it just was absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, so, but I will say this: the halftime show. Okay. All right. Now, what, my wife had a theory, and she might be right, and we might all be wrong. We heard, all heard the sound problems. But then a couple of people at the, at the party were saying, well, it seems like Justin Timberlake was trying to sort of like mimic that he was in a club and maybe they wanted it to sound like he was in a club. And then when he walked out to the stadium, the sound seemed to improve. Is that possible, Eck, or was the sound just bad to start? Um, well, there are two totally different feeds to the to the to the to the TV and to the. Right. I mean, you have to make you're, when you're mixing sound for a stadium, you're you have you have two different boards. I mean, there's two sound boards that are going. So yeah. what we were hearing on TV it was not, couldn't have been nothing like what they were hearing in the stadium. So, okay, so that would explain why Justin Timberlake, because people were like ripping him, like well, he's he his mic was bad, he would never hear it. Like he's another feed altogether. Right. He's got his in-ear monitors, which are set up, and you know when you travel with in-ear monitors, we did this for a while too. It's the greatest thing in the world because. There's an in-ear monitor board that's always set the same exact way, so you don't have to test your monitors wherever you go. But that has that, but that mix has nothing to do with what you're hearing out there. So what Justin Timberlake could be hearing like 90% of his voice and nothing else, or might be hearing none of his voice, or might just want to hear kick drums all the time, or whatever you know, whatever whatever he to get through there. Yeah. So there was great debate over the the Prince hologram because CBS had reported they killed it. And then all of a sudden it showed up and people looked at me at the party and I'm like, look, look at the headlines. CBS wrote no, that, that Prince is there was the rumor was it was a playing with Prince hologram. Like there was a whole oh. your two pack. That was just a projection on a screen, right? I know, but Prince said he didn't want to ever be a hologram. Like Sheena E. Sheila, yeah, she, God bless her. Was on Twitter saying that Prince had told her more than once that he yeah. never wanted to be a hologram. So I kind of felt bad when I saw it. Yeah, and there's an inter people started posting an interview from '98 where he talked about that, and he said, "If yeah. I was meant to play with Duke Ellington, I'd be alive when Duke Ellington right. was." Like he he specifically talked about that. But that and was like one of the only good moments of the show, unfortunately. Well, well, yeah, and the funny <laughs> thing is, I. I, I I didn't. I didn't watch, and I traditionally do not watch unless it's somebody like Paul McCartney, who I, I worship. Uh, I don't watch the halftime, uh, and I didn't do it la uh, this year as well. I, I just put on some hockey fights, and that was more than entertaining for. That's right. You watch hockey fights at halftime. I remember that. That's a tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but uh, but uh, you know, honestly, the broadcast. Um, and I don't know if this was you know all over the place, but in the first quarter they went to commercial, and there was thirty seconds of black space oh, yeah. dark dark screen no that was great because in our house we use a projector yeah we'd same in where i was so i'm like did the, the i turn around and the projector's totally dark which means yep. that it usually means that it's broken like where it was, it was widespread <laughs> someone sat on the remote and turned it off that's the only thing you know what that turned into a two million dollar refund i'm sure oh yeah yeah 
<laughs> um, the, um, the the commercial of the day, though, hands down, the Giants. Oh me. yeah, we love. We all loved it. That was off the chart. Oh, it's just, it, it was it was despicable. I'm sorry, that what was an embarrassment. Despicable. It was that was that was a that was a terrible. I told you, I told you, I hate the movie Dirty Dancing well, with a passion. I hear that freaking song. You don't have a soul. I cringe. You don't have a soul at all. You're and, soulless. And, 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 Ode and Odell Beckham is a is not my favorite player. So let's just say that. I just it, the commercial actually, was I, glorious. It was great. No, it was, Mike, it was it's Mike, of I, all the things you've ever done on this show, of all the things, of all the moments you've ever said anything, this one is by far the craziest. I mean, Thank first you. of all, Thank you know, it's really almost impossible, even if you're like a complete, like, you know, thug to hate on Dirty Dancing. I was, it's just like, <laughs> I was, I was cringing. It was so bad. Oh, it, it was so bad. terrible. Where are you supposed to be cringing? It was cringing. Everyone's cringing. That's part I'm going to tell you it. what was great about it, okay? Pat, Pat, Patrick Swayze. No, Pat, hold on. As a white man who has no rhythm and can't dance, neither <laughs> can Eli Manning, and he did it. And did it in a commercial, and that's fantastic. The best Patrick moment of the whole thing Pat is when, they, when the coach is going out. When the coach is going out to try to stop them, and they and they right. hold back, just like the mother does in the movie. During yes. that, was, that was just unbelievable. It was great. Pat Patrick Swayze was rolling over in his grave, uh, and if and, and if Jennifer Grey could undo all her plastic surgery, oh never mind. Not uh, to talk about people's thoughts beyond the grave again, because we've had that twice now. But I mean, maybe dying, maybe dying made Prince a little bit less concerned about being a hologram. You know, like maybe like where he is now, he's not so doesn't think that's the worst thing in the but world. That's all we know is his thoughts about it, though. I know all you know is his thoughts, but somehow I think dying changes your perspective on things. You know, if I, like if I'm dying, I certainly don't care what Mike says anymore. But once you're gone, if you do that, <laughs> wait, don't know what wait, happens. Wait, wait a second, you don't care what I say right now. So what the hell would yeah. difference would it make? We don't know what comes next, right? But if, if there's anything that you can possibly see this world, do you think Prince is really like, oh man, I can't believe they put that on? I think he would have been honored by that. I think he would. The yeah, I don't know. I have no way of knowing. You don't. If have I'm in heaven, I'm. If, if I'm in heaven and I am Prince, I'm not worried about being a hologram. I'm. I'm dreaming about when I was with Apollonia and Vanity. Oh God! You're in heaven. You're not watching Justin Timberlake. That's what I'm telling you. That's true. Yes. No, I mean, he's fine, but he's. He, but he is, it's amazing. It does make me feel old when you look, when I have to look up Justin Timberlake's age and find other things. Right, the same thing. He's 37. He's 37 I, years I, old. I, That's I like have to say the one thing. 37 years old to me. I have to say the one thing that, the one thing that was disturbing to me, it made me feel old. It's not like disturbing because of the, the content of the commercials. It was like, did, did they have to make like every old person do hip hop? you like, Morgan Freeman, yeah, oh, uh, the the guy the guy from Game of Thrones. There was some like geriatric eighty something year old lady doing doing rap, and I'm like, okay, you know, can what is it? What is okay. it with with the? How about this? Conversely, the T-Mobile inclusion commercial with the oh, with the yeah. infants was spectacular. It was. Yeah, it that, was that really... one I liked. Now, did did you find did you find the uh, the Steven Tyler? Uh, uh, Kia commercial disturbing because I yes, thought it was because disturbing. That, that, that whatever that was at the end, what they computer generated Tyler to be back in the seventies was disturbing. So was the Danny DeVito. The Danny DeVito Eminem commercial was equally disturbing. I mean, which one? I didn't. Hear. I didn't. The Eminem commercial. See that oh, one. the Eminem. It was disturbing, but it was meant to be, so we laughed. Danny DeVito's funny. The other commercial I really liked was the um, 
the the um the one for the Paralympics skier that was incredible. I thought I you know like yeah. you know, odds of winning is odds of winning you know gold medal. Yeah, that I will tell you this, and I pointed this out twice to people who were there. You didn't see one highlight, one picture of men's hockey at all in those vignettes. That's true. Zero. That's true. Oh, you mean for um for the Olympics? For the Olympics, there was one well, moment of women's hockey in it. Actually, there was women's hockey yeah. shots, but not yeah. men. Yeah, and we, we saw about we saw about ten shots of Lindsey Vaughn's scars on her arm and yeah. knee, but we saw nothing of Team USA hockey. That tells that tells you something. So yeah. la last night I got home and I got I got in into Winnipeg around one o'clock, and I'm on West Coast time, so I came in and sat down. I said I should watch the highlights of the game because I literally was watching the final seconds as I'm walking onto the plane. So I, I turned on sports news, watched that, and then I watched a little bit of um. CNN and they had Christine Amapur in where are they um Pyeongchang Pyeongchang and she's talking about the hockey and she says the two favorite teams are Canada and the USA and I'm like no they're not oh no 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 Christiane you know you know you know it's NHL Olympics honey this is sorry I don't mean that in a disparaging way by saying yeah like it's yeah. this this is a little bit different because uh, the, what they're really talking about was all the sanctions and the 15 athletes yeah. from the russia who aren't being allowed to compete now and they didn't mention anything about the hockey players and that that powerhouse coming in yeah christian you know you know as much about hockey as you do about politics well i, I actually think she knows you said the p word Mike. Clearly, she doesn't know about hockey, so that's why. Yeah. I, I just, um, <laughs> I, do, I do know for a fact, having talked to people at NBC, and, and, and that they're not happy about the NHL is not going there. I mean, that's, that's, there's no question about it. Of course, they're not happy, but not only are they not happy, they didn't even show a second of it. If I'm a person who doesn't even know what's in the Winter Olympics, I don't know that men's hockey exists. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually, I was, I was actually shocked at this, and then we should start talking about the, about hockey. Um, when during uh, during one of the Leaf broadcasts, they uh, CBC is moving Hockey Night in Canada Saturday, Saturday broadcasts to Sportsnet, and CBC is going to have the Olympics on on the main channel, which I was actually surprised at because you know the ratings for Hockey Night in Canada, I'm sure, are comparable to the Olympics, but. You know they have that contract, so but it, I, I seriously doubt they're moving. They're moving the NHL to Sportsnet for Olympic hockey. They're moving it for ice dancing and skating and yeah. skiing and all I that mean, stuff. I mean, in fairness, someone said to me, you know, someone just texted me, "What were they going to show? Like highlights of the Spengler Cup to promote the hockey that was going to come up?" You know, they couldn't. Well, I mean, but you have to have something pre-made. Like, yeah, you, if nothing like else, you should have gone and it, and what I would have done was I would have done a video of like Gianta. And a couple of the guys had them with their uniforms on and made a little montage, even though there hasn't been a game. So there is something. Yeah, yeah. but do you think, you know what? There's a great tie in to 1980 with this a bunch of no names coming in again. Yeah, you could yeah. go that route. You could you, you bring that, back that glory from 1980 in Lake Placid. You run it right through. The story of underdogs and all Peter. It's a great story. You could have you could have done that if Team USA had actually picked more college players, like we've been like I was. You know, instead they picked three or four college players, and the rest of them it's it's like the the detritus from this from the uh, Swedish Hockey League and the SM Liga and and uh, and the KHL. So it's you know I mean the, I I think that 
the NHL, again, I think Hockey Canada and Team USA, in a way, did this on purpose because now the IOC, I think, after they see the disgusting ratings they get in Pyeongchang, they're going to end up probably, you know, giving something to the NHL in four years. I'll, I'll make you a prediction. Curling in Canada will be high ratings will be they higher. Will. They showed a curling highlight over the men's hockey. My son's well, not favorite the, sport. And not and not, and not to be not to be sexist, but I, I would I watch the female curling because they're very beautiful very beautiful ladies. And it's an it's it, yeah and it's and it's a it's a it's a great sport. I, I always enjoy watching curling. I'll tell you right now, Caitlin Laws is just as pretty in person as she is on TV, and she's super nice. That's cool. I would say this. For awesome. all the times, like Mike said, that they showed Lindsey Vaughn, they could have shown like Hillary Knight working out or something the same yep. way because she's just as good an athlete. She really and, is. And, and, and frankly, all networks, Canadian included, should be hyping the women's hockey like there's no tomorrow. Absolutely. It's going to be intense because now they really know the spotlight of the sport is actually on them. It is. Oh, I know. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's not even close. And they, can, and yeah. they have to have like an underdog thing going on because the Canadian women have so dominated the American women going into this yeah. um, recently. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It's one game. It's one game. So it's just going to win. So it's going to be great. All right, let's well, get going let's, here. Let's Hello, start. World. <laughs> That's right. We're starting at 1.32. Hello, Hockey World. Um, oh man, how do I do this? So tired, I can't remember this. <clears throat> Hello, hockey world. Today is I got it. Hello, hockey world. Today is February fifth, two thousand eighteen. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Peter Tessier. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportology, and it's Monday. And I'm Eckland, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast comes every Monday through Friday in the afternoons to fill you in on your comings and goings in the hockey world. We are twenty one days from the trade deadline, and yes. Things have to be starting to getting exciting soon, right? <laughs> um, yeah, we're hoping. We are. This is this has absolutely been one of the weirder trade deadlines. And it, it be, start, what's weird about it is it started off very much like I thought this was going to be a really simple trade deadline. I, I felt like this was going to be no problem. A month ago, I'm like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Basically, you're going to have the Kane's going to go first, and then you're going to have somebody's going to come in. But now suddenly. Today, I hear JVR might still be. I'm like, that's crazy enough as it is. It is changing. I agree with you on that. And with the more people that get added to this thing by the second here, the more we end up, you know, with like a situation of, okay, um, maybe you know, it's the supply and demand. Now the prices are going to go down and they have to go down because you have too many players. I um, mean, we'll get to that in a second. Well, I want to start with the Philip Forsberg thing and then move on because, um, but I do want to touch that. So we'll get right into the trade deadline stuff after this. But um, Philip Forsberg suspended. Uh, three games, and we're going to watch it here. So, um, for his hit on Jimmy VC. So, here we go. And we can all figure out what we think of this. All right. Causing an injury. As the video shows, VC and Predators forward. This is the, this is the actual. Race to corral a loose puck. NHL as thing. As Forsberg tracks the puck up ice in support. VC picks up the puck. And carries it toward we're the not back. seeing it. We're yeah. not seeing it. I'm not really? No, I'm seeing it, but we're not seeing it. All right, hold on. I apologize. Quickly chips the puck up again. the wall. I'm around here. Well, here we go. Gone, Got it now. There we go. This is after yeah. the puck is back. This is interference. 
Players who are not in possession of blue bucks are never eligible to be However, the interference rule provides a brief window during which a player can hit while his opponent is in possession of the puck may legally finish a check. All right. This is not such a case. Can, can I can I can I can I can I just put I have issues with this. Continue. Made outside the allowable window. Well, sorry, I'm just stop. Right. Can Go I can I just can I just put this out there and it can be shot down as a ridiculous thought? Um, is there a possibility that this was basically this is Jimmy VC, the guy that stiffed us and let's get him? No, no, no. Okay, because I, I mean, I, that was the first that was the first thought in my head. And and, and I don't think Philip Forsberg's that kind of guy, but. Right. You know, I there, there's so many issues with this play. Yeah, on both sides of the argument, and the one I don't like is where they say because I haven't actually seen their review of the video. I've seen the hip, I hadn't heard their explanation. Yeah. Is that this is outside of the window? Yeah. Well, if that's interference. What on God's green earth is every winger going down the boards, chipping the puck to the yeah. in, inside, and going outside and getting shoved in the face? What is interference? Saying? I mean, this is yeah, this is so not interference. I mean, did, and there's no, there's no reason to even call it interference. It's an elbow to the face. Is it's what an it elbow is. to to the head. Yeah, he went, I mean, he went up like that. Yeah. So call him for elbowing. Give him two games and get on with it. Well, here's the thing. All right. So here, it's a, it's a layered thing, like you said. So there's an elbow to the head. It doesn't get called for any penalty in the game, which is crazy. He has blood coming from his mouth. They see that. And there's still no penalty, nothing. He goes to the bench, and they correctly pull him from the bench and put him in concussion protocol. At that point, shouldn't a referees huddle up and say, okay, look, we got to call this as, as a penalty because this guy's obviously concussed, which today it is a concussion, and nothing was called. Now, the everything else was right. The concussion protocol was right. The hit was a dirty hit. Philip Forsberg may not be a dirty player, but he's a competitive player, and he hit him high. But let's, I mean, once a guy's got blood in his mouth and everything else, yeah. you have to go back and correct that call. You do. Yeah. It's like it's like when a stick breaks over a mouth. Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, there's such a problem right now of authority in the NHL. Who has it to make these calls when yeah. they happen? I agree with that. It, they, the, the whole process is the mess. And that's that's the biggest problem. Give the refs the ability to look at the screen and go, wow, we missed that. Boom, you're done. Correct. And that's exactly and, what you don't happen. argue about the merits of, well, does it fall in the reviewability category? That <laughs> doesn't help the game. That doesn't solve your problem. But no. it's, it's an inequity in the game, though, because yeah. all of a sudden at that point, VC is out for the rest of the game. He's an important player for the Rangers. Their bench gets shortened, and they get no relief out of it. That's unfair just on the hockey premise of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's, it, there's so many aspects about this in sports. It's different. I was saying, I said yesterday in a tweet and I meant it and I said, this is a horrible thing to say, but if I was Philly or anyone, I would go do a headshot on Brady because all you're going to give up is 15 yards in the first round. Right, I heard round. you say that. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not right, but no. that, there's no consequence. No, right? I, and you can deal right. with the consequence. Like, at the time, and that comes down, that changes everything if they can go back and do that. But the they problem, can't. The problem with this, and we'll sound really old when we say this, but this is what everybody will say at the NHL is like the problem has nothing to do with anything but the fact that players don't respect each other anymore. That's what you come back to, like you know, you know oh. and that that's what that's yeah. what people say. I mean, and that's what everyone. And I don't. I sometimes yeah. buy that to a degree, 
I don't. I didn't see this hit as dirty as you guys did. Um, uh, I, I look in the chat room like everybody. Uh, everybody thinks he's a dirty mean, hit. He's just not a dirty player. That's the issue. He's not. Yeah, a he's not. He's not a dirty. He's he's not a dirty player, but he clear, he clearly you know because maybe because he's backing up and it's unusual in a way. It's not like a like a, a cheek check like Brian McCabe used to throw, but it's it. But it's a it's a it's an elbow up high, and it, to me it was there was clearly in there was clearly intent there. Yeah. No. I mean, look. Let's put it this way: an elbow to the to the jaw and blood coming out. Hurts just the same. Like if I accidentally kick Mike in the junk, yeah, no, it might be accidental, but it still hurts just the same. True, true. I mean, and uh, you know that comes down to you know if a guy gets hurt, is the penalty more severe? We've had that discussion yeah. times. You know, like if, in the chat room, they said, "Hey, if there's blood in that kind of play, should it be an automatic five minute?" And that's a good, good question to ask. Yeah. It is. And by and by and, and by the way, Peter, if you use that analogy about uh, the the the, uh, the Eagles. Uh, taking a shot at Brady, they took a shot at, the, at that wide receiver and it was a head-on-head head and the yeah. guy didn't get any penalties. So there you go. Exactly. And it was a head-on-head head, and I called it once I saw it. I was like, but again, see, that's the thing. It's like we have to be – We I think referees have to be like extra cautious and really on it. And even if they have to go back on a call when something involves the head now, I think that's just – I think that's a tweak that has to happen in this game. I do. I don't disagree. I think that I do know the referees are afraid. What one of the things that bothers me more than anything is when referees are afraid to make calls because of instant replay. That that's something that you've seen too. Like you need a, you need a call. You know there needs to be a call on the ice because there has to be. There, the, there does, and that's fine. An inconclusive. And that, that's something the NFL doesn't have, right? The NFL doesn't have no. the inconclusive goes to what the call was on the field type. No, thing. but what if they said, "Hey, Toronto just looked at this and decided there's a penalty in this. Call it to the refs," and the refs say that. I don't think the fans would have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right about that. I, I and I don't know why they don't. I don't know why they don't do that necessarily, especially yeah. when. when and, and there was something else that happened with this. Apparently, there's a civilian named Mike Fisher that said the call's a joke. Yeah, I saw that. I got to tell you, he should be. He should be fined, except he's not a player. Not a player. Yeah, right. right. So he can say whatever he wants. It's interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> that's just that's just the way it goes, right? So. Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the Rangers too while we're there, um, and the Rick Nash now, Rick Nash stuff, which is coming up, um, and not super surprising, but no, uh, I don't think anybody's super surprised. I don't, and I don't know that he, that it's even. I don't even think that this makes it more likely that he gets traded either. I mean, that's what people are freaking out that he's going to get traded. I think it's Rick Nash in a way you have to. If, yeah. if you're not asking him for that list, you're not doing your due diligence right. as a GM. Right, and you have to get that list at least. Um, but then there's the whole then there's the whole the dynamics. I talked to somebody, a player today, who reminded me of, and I know you remember this, Mike, because we talked about this before about about the craziness of lists of this list thing, where you can put teams, <laughs> you can put teams on there that you know won't that won't trade for you, and make and you can you can really manipulate this down. Like, you know, you can say you can say you're perfectly fine getting traded to Arizona. Arizona's not going to trade for you. Right. Uh, that kind but, of, but a player can get burned on that because if we were, yeah. when you remember. Dion Phaneuf put yes. down the Ottawa Senators because he thought never in the never in their their right mind would the Maple Leafs make a trade with Ottawa with a division rival. But at that point, all the Leafs wanted to do was get rid of Phaneuf's contract, so they didn't care where he played, and they traded him to Ottawa. So, you know, that's I mean, you you can get burned by that, and I, I think 
See, I disagree. I, not to say that this isn't just, you know, this isn't just a process that they have to request the, uh, you know, uh, that list from Nash. They do, and they, you know, most teams are doing that with their guys who are rentals. But I do think it's significant that it got out there so quickly that this is to drum up some business. I mean, his if name has been out me, there. If you ask me, I think the agent probably put it out there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's probably right. right. If that's but, true, Nash wins that. That's, that's not a bad thing to do either because the agent will likely be involved in some of this process because, it, it, right, like from a point of view of saying, look, what if someone looks at Nash and says, well, we might want to keep them longer. What if they don't look at them as a rental? Or what if they say, you mm -hmm. come, back to, come back to New York and say, okay, your price is fine if I knew he had two more years at a reasonable rate. So now right. I've got to get him for two more years, right? So the agent's going to be involved in this somehow. Now there's something that, that came up, Peter, that I think you'll find interesting. I heard it in the chat room. And so, like, people were, like, saying, hey, was Winnipeg's a great team? And I said, yeah, but you don't know when Nash made this list if he thought Winnipeg was a great team and put Winnipeg on the list. That's the thing. He can change that list anytime he wants. Yes, he can. But what might shoot – what might shoot – um, you know, if, if some of the theories or some of the intentions of teams trading for him who want to potentially sign him is the fact that it was floated out there over the weekend. I think it was Elliot Friedman who did, who said that Nash and Grabner might do one of those Keith Kachuk moves. They might go someplace for the deadline and then re-sign. He, he likes it in New York. Maybe he re-signs re with, the, with the Rangers. And, you know, the Rangers get maybe a first-round pick out of the deal, and then he turns right around and goes back to the Rangers. It's possible. Well, that's what people are expecting, but I, I will tell you this. I think if Rick Nash leaves the barn, I don't think he'll be coming back. And that's just my feeling. Gradner, I think, would be welcome back. Absolutely. If, if you're Rick Nash, you're going. You want to go to a team that's going to give you a shot, like a shot to win, your best shot, right? You want to be someplace that is. You have a legit chance to do this. So, if it doesn't work out, as Russ saying, as Russ, you're saying, does he come back and say, you know, I want more of that taste. I've only got so much time left. It's better for me to sign take a slight discount and go to XYZ team over ABC because I want another shot. And he I think you're right. Win. He does. And the only yeah. reason I don't think the Rangers would want him back is his production has just dropped to the point where yeah. he is an excellent two-way player. He is a guy that skates really well, but he's not in on the – I mean, unless he's playing with a real fire starter like a Buchnevich or somebody else, yeah. you have to feed Rick Nash all the time. He gets yeah. no assists. And so not every team wants a player like that anymore, especially if he's not scoring 35 goals. Well, let's just say if he comes back to the Rangers, he's not going to be making $7.8 In fact, I don't think he would be making half of that. Oh, he'll, he, make, it, he'll make four and a half on another team, though. He will. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. On another $5 million dollar player. Yeah. And that, I have no issue with that. No, and, and that's the problem, right? If the Rangers want a first, a, a prospect – and maybe a raw like just throw out the, the standard right for a for a quality player first prospect in a draw you know and and, and, a, and a roster player you're probably going to want some other term on the end of the deal or you want to know that do i have a chance of signing rick nash because that's going to be your that's going to be your yeah your pushback. i, I mean, mean that's just negotiation i think so but i mean i don't know i mean rick nash is so terrible in the playoffs it's like this that's the strange thing about he him he doesn't have great playoff numbers he doesn't 
I mean, this this yeah. somebody sent me this just now, and this is really this is really unbelievable. This is the comparison of Rick Nash and Jason Chimera in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Oh my god, which is staggering. I mean, I, well, mean, I mean, look, I, I don't think we've hidden it on this show, right? We've talked about it every year. He's been in the playoffs practically. Yeah, yeah. but I mean that that's just, I mean think of J, you know what's Jason worth at the trade deadline, you know, like a, a normal situation. I think the most damning part is that Chimera has more goals. I know. Yeah. And they, Four more goals. I mean, like not just yeah. almost twice the amount of goals. I mean, that's a crazy, is a crazy number. So if you're making a trading, if you're making a rental player, you want that player to be there for the playoffs. I mean, that's what you're doing this for. So that's why I really think the chances of Nash getting traded. But it depends the role you put him in. Like if you literally get Rick Nash and you say on this team you're going to be a third liner and we're going to put you on the penalty kill, you'll get something good out of Rick Nash. Then you will. Yeah, maybe. You're not, but you're not you're not going to spend five million five million bucks on that. I mean, you, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> you're kidding, right, Mike? Look at the salaries for players, and he. There's always the chance that if we put the right player with them, we can get thirty goals again. That that will always be in the conversation. I I think there'll be a ton. I think there'll be a ton of teams out there looking for Rick Nash in the summer if he's willing to take a deal reasonably close to the Eric Stahl deal. You know, three years, nine million, three years, ten million, something in that range. If he goes out there, looks for three years, fifteen million. I don't know if he's getting that. I really don't. Yeah, but he'll be the the, the problem with Nash, and we've seen this before. He will be very picky on where he wants to go, and that could limit the options for what he has based on talent, money, whatever. Because he is picky about it. There's no question about it. We've seen it. It's such a frustrating. scoring. No, I mean to me, to me, he's such a frustrating player. I mean, I remember, I remember the Stanley Cup final rest was it sitting with you and just I was just going off on it. I, that's my yeah. memory. Gosh, like we would, I would watch his shifts because you're in the game and you can watch the shift from beginning to end. Yeah. It would be shifts where he wouldn't touch anything. Like he yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't touch another player. He wouldn't touch the boards. He wouldn't touch a puck. He wouldn't. His stick wouldn't hit the ice, and he would skate around for 35 seconds and go back to the bench. And yeah. you're like, how can a player like Rick Nash not touch anything on a yeah. shift? I mean, this this is the craziness about it. And then there are times, you know, when he has these unbelievable streaks in, in, in the yeah, in, where nobody can catch him on the ice. He gets ahead of steam. Yeah. He starts hitting people. It's just it's never consistent enough, especially now as he's getting a little into the second part of his career. Yeah, and this well, is a real value. People, teams will want him. There's a, this is a really gun shy group of buyers out there right now. That's what I mean. I've been talking to people. There are a lot. Oh, it's not gun shy like Major League Baseball. You you want to talk about gun shy? Major League Baseball is, is gun shy. I don't think they're to that degree. I mean, talk, I think they are really afraid of, put, of giving up too much for Evander Kane. They are really afraid of giving up too much for Max Pacioretty. I, I mean, there is, there is real. More, there's a lot more fear, and there's a lot of people saying, you know, what was the last? I've heard this. Four or five people saying this to me over the weekend. What was the last trade deadline deal that that people gave up that much money that made any sense at all that worked or helped anybody? You know, and the, people are saying that, that that's where this is at right now. So Martin Marty San Luis for Ryan Ryan Callahan. No, but you know what? It, it helped that year, and it's killing him now. So I will disagree. I didn't like that trade then. I still don't like that trade. But you know, people can look back every year. There's one like Shattenkirk last year. What did that do? You know, like every year there's one that makes something. Yeah, I, I'm I'm to my dying day. I'll be convinced that 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 deal was basically a blocking deal. That that Washington did that to keep Shattenkirk away from like a yeah, team no, like I, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that was a defensive move. No, no pun intended. 
Maybe, but I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sold on that. I mean, but but I I do I do think I do think that the market and there may be a lot of hesitancy and there should be because it's three weeks out and people are looking for the best deal. But I think there's a lot of hesitancy because there's a lot of buy, there's there's a lot of sellers out there. I mean, you've got eight teams right now that are definite sellers, and yeah. I think that some of these buyers are basically saying, okay, I can afford to be patient because these teams will get desperate as we get closer to February 26th and say, I got to get something for this guy because we're not going to sign him. So, yeah, you know, but conversely, they, teams with injuries will get desperate too. Well, and I'll, let's tie this back to Winnipeg. Now, Mark Scheife could be back on the 9th, but Truba is out six to eight weeks, so another seven weeks potentially. Lowry is listed as day-to-day after re-aggravating an upper body injury. Tanev is week-to-week. Hendricks is now out. He could be the first back, uh, first player back. And I'm not saying Hendricks is impact thing. That's three of their four centers. Right. Plus three of their four PK guys. Top four PK. There might be a little desperation right now. Now, now the Jets are on a, a, a coming into their second game or third game of a ten-game homestand, and they don't leave Winnipeg until the last week of February. Right. So they've got some advantage here. But Kevin Dayoff might be getting a little more interested in getting a deal done, given the injury status. And this is the second time around for both Tanev and Lowry. So maybe they didn't heal up quite the way they thought, and that's a bit of a concern. Now there, there's a lot of depth on the team. Yeah. But Russ, to your point of going back, I think when you're talking about Grabner, maybe a Michael Grabner makes a lot more sense for the Jets than the the big name hunting Rick Nash. I agree. I, I think Grabner it, it improves your penalty kill. Yeah. It helps you at the end of a game if you do need that empty netter because of his speed, and he has yeah. been scoring more goals lately. I I agree. Yeah. Gra- Grabner, Grabner would be a great ad for Winnipeg. He'd be a great ad for Nashville because I mean, we know Nashville yeah. still going to still going to be looking for that top nine winger. And you know, I think Grabner can still score, and and he his salary is not that his salary is you know for a team that might be up against the cap like L.A. or I don't think Nashville is up against the cap, but they can fit that one point six million dollar salary in there pretty easily. So I, I actually think they're going to get more, they're going to get more for Grabner than they do for Nash. I get I, I the range feeling from talking to people about Chevaldeov. They're going to see a very different Chevaldeov um, that we've ever seen before. And and people have reminded me, you know, that remember he grew up in the Chicago Blackhawks organization. And that's where he was, you know, for many years when, you know, before he takes GM job there. And the Blackhawks traditionally have been very aggressive at the trade deadline because they're a good team. And especially when they've got guys hurt and extra cap space that they can play around with, which is what's happening now. So, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I, I talked to somebody yesterday who said Mike Green, they really thought Mike Green was a good bet for Winnipeg. Um, and, you know, and it makes sense because, you know, like you're talking about, you got Troop out seven weeks, you know. You can go in, you can bring Green in, and then you can, for the playoffs, it doesn't matter. You know, you can make the cap work. So you can actually play around with it that way. I think that that's, you know, that, I, I think that's yeah, No, the other thing I wanted to throw out there, too, um, real quick, um, is I talked to a person um, on on Friday late who who told me flat out, he's like, you guys are, everyone's missing where Eric Carlson's going to get going to go to. And I, he's, he's like, there's no question in his mind that Tampa's ahead of everybody in Eric Carlson's sweepstakes. This person said, he said that Tampa has the pieces that Ottawa wants. Tampa has the need 
and the money, and they're right they're right on the cusp there of, of something incredible. And they know that if they get Eric Carlson, Tampa's a you know they're a dynasty. That's how. All right, I'll tell you what the the potential problem is though. You don't know, and we don't know. Like a lot of times, things look good on paper. You don't know if him and Hedman are going to be good together. And if they're not good together, then you're going to be splitting them up. And that's going to change the dynamic again. Like a lot of times, look, look at Keith Yandel. He didn't work out on the Rangers. Now, Eric Carlson's better than Yandel. But when you bring in an offensive defenseman, sometimes it's better to bring him to a team that doesn't have one other guy that's even good or remotely good. So he could be that, that number one. And, ex and extrapolate extrapolate from that. Okay, say say Carlson to Tampa Bay is realistic. If you're Ottawa, who's the first guy that you're asking for from Tampa Bay? You're asking for Sergachev. Yep. And I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not trading a, a kid who's uh, who probably should have made the All Star game to replace Hedman instead of Braden Point, but is one of the top five rookies in the league in, in, the, in the league this year. Who's on an entry level? Who, wait, wait, wait. Who's on an entry level for two more years at nine hundred and twenty five thousand, and then you don't know whether Carlson's going to resign or not. He may simply want to test free agency. Right. I think if you're making if you if you're making that move, you do know that. I think that's see that. I mean, I think if you're, if you're, I mean, I agree with you. You don't know if he's going to sign. If you don't know he's going to sign, then of course you're not going to make that move. But I think that this is the kind of situation that Ottawa would would let him would let them talk ahead of time. That's I know. Fair. I wanted to just circle back on one little thing with yeah. with the Rangers again, with the Flyers being askew but being only a point ahead of the Rangers. Just because we're hearing about this list, they probably still have to lose three or four more in a row before they actually act on anything. Right. I think too. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Rangers aren't selling. Yeah. And I well, and I wanted I wanted to circle Maybe back not. on. They win a few games. Sorry. I wanted I wanted to circle back on on what Ekazak you mentioned JVR in your yeah. blog, and I mean there's a lot of other stuff going on with the Leafs right now that doesn't involve JVR. I mean they're not exactly like earth shattering in terms of guys that they're, they're going to bring back first round picks. You know I talked to Russ about that and he's right, but you've got players who have been stagnating on their NHL roster for the greater part of the last two years and Josh Levo and Nikita Sashnikov who are NHL players. I think they would play on a lot on a lot of other teams, but the Leafs and Lula Amorello have been storing these guys as extra forwards and extra players for uh, with Levo. It's been two seasons. Yeah. The guy signed, signed an extension in November thinking that he was, you know, going to have an opportunity and he still wants, he's a Leaf draft pick. He still wants to stay in Toronto, but he's like, I want to play. It's like, if you're not going to play me, trade me. Yeah. And it, and, and they've got that, they've got that situation. They've got, you know, right now they're, they're bringing like Roman Polak back off the IR today. They have to make a roster move. They're at 50 contracts. I mean, they have too many players and this is recipe for them making a two or three for one deal, not trading JVR for a draft pick and a prospect. I it, like I disagree with the stance of the organization if what they're going to do is make them an own rental and then just let them go at the end of the year because I think that's a waste. But that's the direction right now that it looks like they're going. Yeah, no, I think that – I mean, I, I, but there are there, – I talked to somebody today that was really surprised that when they actually flat out said to me, yeah, that there have been discussions about JVR in the last couple of weeks with other teams. And I, I think you still have to discuss Discuss it, even if it's not gonna, not going to happen, because you could get bowled over with the trade. And there is a time where they say, "Hey, look, for what we're getting back, 
we're still going to be a contender and we're going to solve that problem of not having to have him be around for signing next year. Like we weren't going to do that anyhow. Like, so if somebody did make that kind of offer, they still probably wouldn't miss a beat, but it would have Lou, to be a great offer. Right. Lou is, Lou is touching, Lou is touching base with everybody on every possible option. I mean, from the reports that have come out in the last few days is, you know, they're, t- they, they sent Sashnikov down to the minors to basically have him show be showcased. So teams can take a look at him. There's talk about them talking to other teams about Matt Martin uh, who, you know, Babcock is playing Casper Kapitan right now to find out what he's got because he's never really given him a long look. I don't think he, want, they, he wants to get rid of Matt Martin, but Lou Lamorello is putting calls out there to say, if he's available, what will you give me for him? And I don't know what, what will be out there, but a playoff team uh, who needs muscle, he's a $2.5 million cap hit. That's not a ton. Here's the game, though, and, and the game is this. There have been times when Lou has taken away some players from a coach because he can make a deal. So that's true, even though a coach likes a guy. And I don't know if Shanahan would step in Lou's way. I really don't because if if everybody looks at it and says, this is a good deal, then Babcock is going to lose that argument. And there will be times when he loses. And the kind of players you're talking about are the kind of players Lou doesn't think about that much i mean lou lou is that lou has his like i've you know obviously matthews marner nylander i've heard kapanen's involved in, is not going to get traded i heard, and i heard um and i heard, and um and morgan riley you know there's certain players that are part of his core and for lou, right. lou that's the way lou ran new jersey you've got a core yeah and then all the other players you can find players that are just like those players and no matter what it is that's that's how he does it so those other players you know yeah sure if someone wants matt martin or someone wants you know leva or you know He'll he'll move those guys because to him they're not part of their core. So Lou doesn't, right. Lou doesn't care about anybody that's not a part of the core. The, um, the only way that the only way that a young player like Kapanen gets moved because remember he's a, he's on the first year of his entry level. He's got two more years. He's making less than less than a million bucks. He's very fast. He's very skilled. He's I think he's going to be probably a 15, 20 goal goal scorer in this league. I think that's reasonable. It, the only way they trade him is as part as part of a package to get a top four defenseman, and that deal is probably not happening right. until the summer. Right. Now um, I don't know about that. I didn't know about the situation in Carolina. Um, what well, I I caught this yesterday, and it's worth happening. Um, Bill Peters had a bit of a, a meltdown in a, in a, in a sort of a, a dramatic, but you know, for frustrating sense. And I'm just sort of going through here some of the the quotes and stuff. He called the the loss to San Jose unacceptable and disappointing um, in his post game press conference. Um, but then later on, there was a thing. Okay, and here's a tweet from um, Michael Smith. Expect to see a different Canes lineup on Tuesday. Peters, there are at least three that can go in. And if not those three, there's a group down in Charlotte too. You hmm. can't put that group out again after that. That's not acceptable. They let each other down too in the room. That is incendiary. Yeah. I and mean, that, that is that and, is that is Mike Babcock to me. That is Mike Babcock to me, full and through. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, Mike, and Mike Babcock said a very similar thing on, on Saturday after the yeah. loss to Boston. He said there were some players that didn't show up. And, <laughs> and, and remember, that's that's where Peter Peters Peters is all about Babcock. So yeah. Right. And so, but yeah. and the thing the thing is every every time you look at Carolina, they, they win a game and you know they win a game in impressive fashion and then they turn around and they lose. I think it was like four one five one to Detroit and then they lose this game. It's like you know the there's 
there's still not enough there there. The goaltending is questionable, and I still think that they don't have enough offense. And they have they are so loaded on defense that I keep going back to it. They, they and I think need there's two goal. messages. You're right, Mike. But there's two messages here. One of them is Peters to Ron Francis. Hey, you've been given yeah. the green light from ownership to do yeah. something. Do something. That's one message. Yeah. And then the other message is he has gone all in. He has pushed the chips all to the center, and he's putting every player's feet to the fire, which I think Hurricanes fans would be in favor of, and I don't think would put his job in jeopardy as a result. I don't. I mean, it would be interesting to see. I don't know how much term left he has on his contract, but I agree wholeheartedly with Russ. He he's he's there, and 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 he's he's done that. He's put the chips on the table. He's caught, like he's got he's got nothing left now. Right. Right. Like there, there's no there's no there's no other. No, that's the biggest thing he said. Is the biggest thing he could say all year. Yeah, but I like frankly. Yeah. This there may like yes, in a logical sense. There's a probably a better deal for the Hurricanes in the summer, but when teams are desperate and you're that loaded on the back end, that's when you also have to attack too. Yeah. Because imagine, look at the prospects the Leafs have. But imagine if you could throw a, a few guys in, a Casperi Kapanen, and maybe even a JBR to get someone out of Carolina for the blue line. I mean, you can put your pieces together to make it work. And, Mike, you can do that better than I can in understanding the value and where they see it. But that's the kind of thing that Lou Lamarillo should be looking at and saying, there's a pressure cooker down here. How can I exploit it? Because something's not right there. And and, and when coaches go down that route and you aren't a Mike Babcock with a 10-year deal and backing of ownership and stuff to that way and you have a new owner, there's opportunity there. I can't help but think too that this is, you know, I mean, obviously this this leads into tonight, you know, where Carolina plays Philly, which is a huge game for these two teams because these two teams are one point apart from each other in the standings. Carolina's gotta come up with a, um, you know, a big a big win here, to and you know he's he's got to be looking at the standings, you know, all the time, and and he's going into a stretch where Carolina plays a whole bunch of games against teams they're chasing. Like his right, contract's like, up after this year. He signed a two year extension in July twenty eight. 2016 it was it was a it was reported so his someone, contract is up okay by the way going back to i got another text from someone mike who says that um that, that Car- said that carlson and headman would look pretty damn good in the uh in the world cup of hockey together um but world cup is not the nhl they were they were very good on that but it's not the nhl yeah that's 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 playing that's playing for your country when you're playing for a club team and one guy gets 27 minutes a night and then another guy comes in says i want to play 30 because he plays played played 30 in ottawa that ha- that that can cause some problems with ego yeah, right, right. I mean, I mean, then you just don't have Niedermeyer or Pronger off. Good luck with that. Yeah, right. Exactly. It could be, but I'm just saying it's not a guarantee. It never no, is. It isn't. And and the thing about the Niedermeyer or Pronger thing is they had all season to figure that out. They yeah. had all season to adjust and move. Now you're getting into two months, and it can take longer than that. Right. But these guys know each other. This These aren't strangers to each other. I mean, no, of course they know each other. And, and we're not talking, you know, to, in my in – my, uh, uh, you know, theorizing about what a deal would be. You know, Sergachev would be part of it. It would have, it would be a lot more. It'd probably be Sergachev and somebody like Braden Point. It would probably be somebody. It would have to be an overpay. 
yeah. to get to get Carlson to be trade just like the Leafs would have to overpay Tampa being in the same division as Ottawa. You, you don't think that Ottawa would expect anybody from the Atlantic Division to overpay for them to have to see Eric Carlson come into their building two or three times a year? Yeah. No, sure. I don't think it'd be point though. Um, I think it would be. Um, I think it would be. I think Tyler Johnson would be involved in the deal for sure. Maybe I circle back to Carolina, knowing now that you know what, what deal is with with Peter's contract, knowing that they have an owner that just took over. Like the owners probably looking at this and saying, "We're literally two points out of two potential playoff spots. There's no way he's going to let Francis bail out of that." He may never think, bail out of that. Francis has any intention to bail out of that. I think. No, Francis I know, but but basically, I think they have to go the other way. Even if Francis wants to sort of be like, like even keel on this, and and wants to be like, wait, and wants to wait it out a little bit. The owner is going to push him to do something to not only make the coach happy, but to try and make up this deficit. I think there's a lot of pressure to get that done right now in Carolina. Unlike unlike most of the teams out there, I think Carolina is set up to make a hockey deal and not a you know I mean they they could they can make a deal where they trade for a rental and trade prospects because they have a lot of them, but they really need to make a consequential hockey deal where they trade you know say a Noah Hannafin to a team for a forward that is of a like age and a like talent. And if they could get that, I think that would help them immensely because they need that offense and they're loaded on the blue line. I think I, I smell a rat in this. I smell Francis and Peters being in cahoots and I smell this as being a big play. Like Francis, like uh, Peters, Peters saying, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to freak out on the team and da, 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 da. This, it just feels like that because Francis and Peters are really tight and um, you know, they, they are definitely very similar and they're both, Really smart young, really smart hockey people to the point where you beyond they they would be like we looking at this like on a much larger level than we're it could be it could have been a plan for you know what I'm saying it feels it feels it, it's this kind of reminds me of, of, of those when I've seen this situation before those kind of players and this kind of situation going into a going into a stretch of games you have to win this it feels like a way of shaking up the team a little bit you know but yeah. but not but not and and I think Francis is going to try it I think I think I really think Carolina is going to do something big. Speaking of shaking up a team a little bit, Brian Elliott was activated. And I got to tell you, like, I knew the other day with Alex Lyon starting on Saturday against, what was that, Ottawa? Ottawa, right? Um, it was a bad idea. It was a really bad idea because here's New the thing. New Jersey. New Jersey, thank you. Right, right, right. No, no, no it was Ottawa. No, that it was, was Ottawa because what's his name? Um, in Ottawa, though. He started both games. Yeah, Matthew Shane scored two goals. It was Ottawa. He started against New Jersey, too. No, I know, but but the, the one against Ottawa was the one that the we all felt and we got the, sort of the word that the reason he started was because Michael Neuverth has, you know, sort of annoyed management with the stomach virus thing by sort of blend, using that as an excuse. So they put Lyon in there. You know, Coach Haxtell puts him in there. And he's a positional goalie. Yeah. He's not this great athletic goalie. And so unless you have a really tremendous defense, he was hung out to dry on a couple of those goals. And so, of course, Neuberth ends up coming in the game anyhow, right? And, you yeah. know, like that was just a weird, a weird thing that happened. And so now Elliot really has the job to himself. That's the Heck, way this we, is shaking out now. Heck, we have to, we have to end pretty soon because of the time. No, I agree with you. I do agree. And I, I think that – um. Yeah, you know, I think the Flyers blew two really 
big opportunities against Washington and New Jersey over the over the weekend. Basically, that they that they they were up in both games and they lost both games without getting a single point out of either game. So that that was like a you know they were up by two goals I think in each game. Yeah, that's like you know. Anyway, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. We'll be back again soon. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey, folks. Talk to you tomorrow.